Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. We are going to be talking about worship today. And uh, one of the things I want to point out is quite often when we think about worship, where we automatically run to is what Zach just kind of walked us through, which is music. Which, if you look at your entire week and you look at a, a worship service, there's probably about half of the worship service is actually music. So let's say a half hour of music during the week, that's 0.28% of your entire week would be dedicated to worship if corporate worship together and the musical part was all that worship was. It extends way beyond that. We're gonna talk about that just a little bit as we kind of remember. So the, the name of the sermon today is Memento. Memento, and, and what Memento means is it's like a, a thing that you have to remember. Something that you carry around with you. Maybe you had a really great thing happen in your life and you picked up a rock to remember that place or something. It's a memento of that moment. So we're gonna talk a little bit about remembering things from the past, talking about things that are going on right now and things that will be happening in the future. Jesus Christ, my living hope, you know, that kind of points toward the future. And today, it's a great day to do that. We've talked about Pentecost. Uh, We're talking about Memorial Day. And uh, as you read on the screens earlier, uh, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their life for their friends. Those words are the words of Jesus. And today, as we celebrate uh, this weekend, uh, those who have given their lives for us, would you take a moment with me uh, just to pray and remember? Scripture tells us to give honor where honor is due, and so we wanna do that today. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the women and men who have given their lives in service to their country, people who have laid down their lives for us so that we could continue to have the freedoms that we have Father, we, we do all of that remembering that their lives were simply shadows of your life. So God, we pray that you would help us to remember the way you laid down your life for us. That as we honor these men and women, we would also be grateful to you for the life that you gave so that we could have eternal life. Fathers, we talk about that a little bit this morning as as Pastor David has called us to ask and and request Holy Spirit come. We just ask again, speak to us, to our hearts, to our minds, open our ears, our eyes, our minds, our hearts to what you would say to us. All these things, Father, we ask and we pray in Christ Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I have memory of um, something that happened a few years ago as I think about worship. I walked into my son Liam's room and he was crying. And Liam's not one to cry very much, and so I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I walked over and I said, buddy, what's up? Are you, are you sad? I was just thinking. I was like, well, what were you thinking of? And he said, I was thinking of heaven. I'm going, really? You were, you were thinking of heaven, but you're crying. Um, explain this to me. He said, dad, you know how the Bible tells us that when we get to heaven, that we will sing and worship God? And I said, yeah. He goes, but it says that we're gonna sing and worship God like forever. And I said, yeah. He goes, I don't like singing and I'm not very good. Do I have to do that forever? That doesn't sound like fun. But I know I'm supposed to want to go to heaven. What do I do with all this? And so I remember thinking that as a kid going, doesn't the song get old? Doesn't the song get tired? And so uh, part of where Liam would have gotten that from 
uh, is in scripture, if you want to open your Bible, in Revelation chapter 4. Uh, that's where we're going we're gonna to start today. Uh, there's a beautiful picture that we have of heaven. And uh, John uh, opens his eyes and sees this door that's open, and here's what he says. Then as I looked, or some of your versions will say, after these things, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice that I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here. I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly, I was in the spirit. And I saw the throne in heaven and something sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circle encircled his throne like a rainbow. 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes on front and back. The first one of these living things was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. And day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the almighty, the one who always was, who is, and is still to come. Whenever the living beings gave glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay down their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Now, as I read this, there's this sense of awe, wonder, stuff that John is trying to uh, recount to us what he saw, but many of the things that he says sound like this. He will say, it was, it was like this. He doesn't say, this is what it was. It's like he's trying to use human words to describe what he was saying. So we have these weird six-winged creatures with with eyes on the inside and outside of their wings, on the fronts of their heads and the back and all over the place. It, sound, it sounds like something out of, out of Stranger Things. You're looking at something really weird and he's going, it was like that. And there was, there was uh, this being on this throne, but around the throne was like a rainbow. And some of y'all may recall, there was a song a few years back called Revelation Song by Phillips, Craig and Dean. And they talked about the one sitting on the throne, Jesus, and wrapped in rainbows of living color. And I was like, what in the world are we talking about here? Um, the only time I hear about that is when I'm at a preschool and I see rainbows everywhere or they're talking about cereal or, or Starburst, you know, live the rainbow or whatever it is. There's all these things that just sounded too trite to talk about God and his awesome authority and a rainbow. Uh, it, was just, it was weird, right? Uh, we've got lots of other weird things. These creatures flying around, 24 people surrounding this throne with crowns 
And then this monotonous thing that was going on and on. Some of your versions will say the angels were singing. Some of your versions will say the angels were saying. The word in Greek there is actually saying. They're, they're proclaiming this. They're saying it over and over. I remember back in the 1990s when worship choruses kind of became a thing and people would make fun of what they called 7-Eleven choruses. They would say it's like seven words sung 11 times. It's just so monotonous to do over and over again. Imagine 24 hours a day, seven days a week, these beings saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. And then whenever they say that, the other people have to say stuff. Uh, I've got a friend here who she hates it, hates it. When one of us pastors says, hey, repeat after me. She's going, I don't know what you're gonna say yet. I don't know if I wanna repeat after you, right? Imagine if you're there and every time these six-winged creatures, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. And whenever they finish, then the 24 elders get up, take off their crowns, lay them down, and then they say their thing. Then they get back up and sit down. And then the seraphim, these things, they, they say it again. And so then they gotta get up and do it again. It seems like, good grief, this is monotonous. What's happening? This is not what John is trying to portray to us. What he is seeing, and if you realize over in the ancient Middle East, when you give worth to something, something really important happened, you're in awe of it, you say it over and over to make sure people don't forget. So if you're trying to talk about something that was extremely important, how important is it? We're gonna talk about it forever. I can still remember one of those moments for me. Uh, the moment where something happened that I thought was unbelievable. Um, in fact, we've got a video of it. So they'll show it for you real quick. Show us the video, guys. From there, he's going back, back. That brain may well be it. The people are excited. They like this. I can hear his engines revving now. Air Jordan ready to take field off. In <laughs> Chicago. be a 50 by he took off just a little inside that free throw line one hand and double clutch it magic johnson gives him a nice five underneath the basket as he got out of the way let's watch this one again this deserves a second look michael taking off the patented tongue comes out just just in front of that line look at this the double clutch the reach out and the stuff he got 49 i don't believe it here we go there's the slam camera the slam jam camera i like to call it as you see that little double reach out i remember the first time i saw that it was so unstinking believable. We had to show it over and over. I remember buying a VHS tape and wearing it out from rewinding and watching and rewinding and watching. Nobody had ever left the free throw line and made it all the way for a dunk. Now we see that happen frequently. People can do these things. It's, it's um, not unheard of, but at the time, it was like unbelievable. There were songs written about Michael Jordan. They made Gatorade commercials like Mike if I could be like Mike. Now there's a whole brand with his logo with him doing that when he first took off. I mean, this was an amazing feat. What John is trying to say to us is what Christ has done for us is so amazing, is so unbelievable that we won't be able to stop proclaiming the greatness of what it is that he has done. So we as a people gather together once a week and we remember together and we recount together what God has done the same way that it is happening in heaven. If you walk into St. Paul's Cathedral in London, uh, there are sayings on the little glass doors. There's a rotating glass door. And it says, all ye who enter here know that you are entering the very place of God, the very courts of heaven. 
that as you entered in the place to worship, that somehow between here and heaven, some sort of portal exists, that God is nearby, and as we begin to worship, we are modeling what is going on in heaven. A few years ago, I went to a, a Trappist monastery uh, where Benedictine monks down in Bardsville, Kentucky. And over the few days that I was there, I took a vow of silence, didn't talk, it was just me, my Bible, I had locked my phone in the glove box of my car. And uh, while we were there going through things, at the end, um, I had a chance to talk with some of the monks. And in one of them, as we were talking, you know, I said, so what do you say, you know, why did you leave society to come live here? And he said, okay, I, didn't, I wasn't trying to escape society. He said, the reason I've come here to do this is it's part of my service and part of my vocation for you. Well, you did it for me. <laughs> yeah, I did it for you, for the church, for Christ. So, because if we read in scripture, one of the things that we do as the church is if we are going to reflect what's going on in heaven, we should be worshiping, praising God all week long. And so here is the, um, the schedule of what they do there at the Abbey of Gethsemane. 3.15 a.m. is when they get up and they begin their morning prayers. There's a bell that rings uh, for them to get up. So that was exciting to hear the bell ring at 3.30 every morning, 3.15. At 5.45 a.m. are the louds, another service, another worship service where you can come together and be followed by mass. At 7.30 a.m. was another worship. At 12.15 p.m., another service. At 2.15, another service. At 5.30 p.m. was Vespers, and at 7.30 was the Compline, the end service of the day, and by 8.30, they're in bed so they can get up again at 3.30 the next morning. Going, good grief, that's all you all do? Is just worship all day long? He says, no, we also make fudge and fruitcake. Um, because that was, they had work. They had things that they had to do so that the monastery could continue to move forward. But he said, our job is to do what you can't do. God has called us to do this, but none of us can just do that all the time. We have to have food, we have to have shelter, we have to have clothing, you have to take care of your families. And he said, so that you can do what you do that God has called you to do, I do what God has called me to do, which is to worship him so that when our, when our monastery actually finishes, there's another monastery in a different time zone that they begin. And when they're done, there's another monastery, another time zone, they begin. So that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, around the world, the Lord is being praised and worshiped. So that you can go about the work that you need to do in worshiping him with your life. It's a totally different ways of looking at a monastery, isn't it? The other thing that's very interesting is he says, I'm doing the work that God has called me to do as an act of worship so that you, can do the work that God is calling you to do as an act of worship. Interesting. That not just the 0.28% of the week that we sing songs is worship, but our very lives are lived in worship. So what happens in worship should shape what we believe and what we think, which should then shape how I actually live my life. So there's a, there's a fun Latin phrase, and I'll tell you uh, what they mean, and then you can repeat it after me, all right? Lex orandi as lex credendi as lex vivendi. What it means is the rule of prayer is the rule of faith is the rule of life, okay? So say it with me, lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. That's a cool bumper sticker, isn't it? You just put it on, people have no idea what you're saying. It's basically this, orandi is the word for prayer. And prayer and worship are the same in Latin. To pray, to worship, these things go together. 
in our understanding of, of who God is. As I worship, that shapes how I live my life. Um, I've come from a church that was uh, pretty rigid in how we worshiped. Uh, we had a lot of liturgy. And here's another fun little fact for you. I won't charge you extra for this. Um, liturgy, the, the word liturgy literally means the work of the people. The liturgy isn't the order of things we do. It's the fact that as we are ordering our lives, that is our work that God has called us to do. So we have a liturgy here at the NAS. You all know what it is. You come in every week. We have a little opening. We sing some songs. We have some prayer. We receive tithes and offerings as an act of worship. Uh, then perhaps we, we, we do a little family time together, have you greet one another, do some things. We then go into a worship song, or uh, sorry, a, a sermon. And when the sermon's done, we usually have a call or a response, and then we are blessed to go live our lives. That's the liturgy here at the NAS. Now, it's not as formal as some other places, and we'll, we'll mix it up a little bit just to wake y'all up so you don't fall asleep every week, but that's what the liturgy is, the work of the people. Lex Arandi, the, the rule of prayer becomes the rule of faith. So what I, what I pray, what I worship, what I do, and how I do it shapes how I live my life, shapes what I think, what I believe, that moves into what I do through, through the week. So worship should actually be practice for what I'm gonna do during the week. I learn how Christ lived. I learn what God has done, what he is doing, and what he's going to do. Are you following me? Okay, so here's the next part of fun. If, if my beliefs begin to change, and it makes its way into my life, I can very often tell most people as I talk to them for a while, and I hear them talk about their faith, after about 10 minutes, I can usually tell you what kind of church they attend by what they do with their life, by how they live their life out, whether they lean very much toward the emotional side of things or very much toward um, the intellectual side of things. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we used to sing a song here. People get crazy in worship. If you read the Old Testament, I love people that say, I just want biblical worship. No, you don't. There's all kinds of crazy stuff in biblical worship. Uh, Pastor Travis, about 12 years ago, uh, when I first got here, we would sing this song, I'm gonna dance like David danced. I said, do not sing that song. You don't want the people dancing like David danced. He danced naked. That would not be good. That would be a very awkward moment, especially for visitors. Can you imagine if visitors walked in? We're all dancing. What in the world is this? Right, so there's interesting things that, that go on. Doesn't mean everything that's there are things that we necessarily have to do. What, what David said to his wife though, when she told him how upset that he, she was that he was revealing himself. He had, a, he had a robe on, but the way he was dancing, evidently the young maidens could still see what he was doing. And she's very ticked off. And David says, I'm not gonna apologize. It wasn't for them, it wasn't for you. I was excited in what was going on for God, and if that makes me undignified, then I'm gonna be even more undignified than this. Because scripture tells us we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might, and all of our strength. Everything that is within us. Um, I had a friend here that asked me one day, um, you know, sometimes the Naz is seen as a little too emotional. And so I've heard, you know, we shouldn't worship that, that emotional. Uh, what do you think of that? And I said, well, let me ask you this question. Actually, I've been asked this a bunch. Um, who made your mind? So let me just ask you as a congregation, who made your mind? God, God, that's an easy answer, right? Um, who made your emotions? God as well. <laughs> so if everything that has been made by God needs to worship God, then I should worship God with my mind and with my emotions. Do we sometimes get out of balance? 
Yes, we can. That's part of the reason we come together to worship. To remember his word, to find the guardrails that he has given us on how to worship him, on what it means. We're still exploring that. John describes what's going on. Ezekiel describes what's going on. Isaiah describes what's going on. And very often they say it was, it was like this. Kind of looked like this. And they try to find earthly words to describe what was going on that's kind of close to what's here on earth. And we're kind of like blind people in a dark room trying to describe an elephant. Like when we try to describe God, we describe part of him, we don't fully quite catch it. The same thing's true in worship. As we begin to worship, we begin to understand more and more of who God is and how he works and how he moves. So let's come down right now to the, to the brass tacks. What's the bottom line? For us as God's people, what is it that we should be looking at as we begin to think about worship, and why do we worship the way we do at the Nats? There's three reasons, three very basic reasons that should shape your life of worship. Now, remember, again, when I say that, it's not just this time that we gather here. We're talking about this time, but the way this time should shape our lives. Number one, in gathering for worship, we're called to remember. In gathering for worship, we are called to remember the one who was. Remember that song? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, okay? The one who was. What has God done? And what have his people done as a result of who they saw God as? How has the church, how have the people of God consistently lived out their lives to reflect this God that created us in his likeness and in our image, in his image, sorry. Secondly, in gathering for worship, uh, we're called to participate We're called to participate with the one who is. Okay, we're not only looking back at what God has done, we are acknowledging when we gather together and when we sing. If you look, many of our songs talk about God, who he was, they talk about what he did in Jesus. It moves to what we do now, and then finally it moves on to the future. But right now as we look at participating in what is, what is God calling us to do right now? And what is God called you and I personally to do. One of my highlights of my ministry happened about three weeks ago. And um, it was when we talked through the vision of the church. And we talked about voting. We talked about the ecclesia, the called out ones that kind of shape the direction of the society, of what's going on. And that what the ways that we vote is by what we do, right? So what I pray, how I worship, shapes what I think, has to move into what I live and what I do. And as we called you to vote by saying, here's what I'm gonna do. Um, The most exciting thing for me was the people who were in charge of following up on those of you that filled out the cards, they called going, we have too many cards. Too many people have signed up to do things. That's a huge answer to prayer. Because what it tells me is you're beginning to understand this is not just about, let's come together and worship on Sunday and it's a great thing and it makes me feel better and then I can go. We're beginning to realize that what we say in here each week is that God died for us to be recreated in his image. And if we're recreated in his image, then we live like he lived, which means we lay down our lives for our friends. We lay down our lives for those in our community. We lay down our lives for those who are struggling and battling addiction. We we lay down our lives for our friends who they're struggling in their marriage and we come alongside them and we pray with them and we help them. 
We begin to take the steps to say, oh, what we've been saying in worship is now making me understand what we need to do, and it's going to shape how I now live my life. Uh, when I was reading a book the other day where this, this woman was talking about uh, some work that she was doing, and there were families in her church that were needing help, and uh, this woman came up to her and said, hey, um, so-and-so, I know that their family is really struggling, and she's having a hard time. She's a single mom. I think if she would come to Bible study on Thursday, that would be very helpful for her. And this older woman said, I don't think so. She said, I think if you would take time as soon as your Bible study is over, and you would go over to her house, and you would help her do laundry, and you would help clean her house, that would be most helpful to her. And the woman goes, well, don't you want her in the Bible? And she said, how about you take the Bible to her? You see the shift? How do we as a church begin to understand what it means to live out the life of Christ with the people that are around us? So last but not least, in gathering for worship, we're called to hopeful anticipation. Who is to come? The one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. John is writing to a group of people who are facing persecution. Things are tough, things are not going well. And John comes to them and says, hey, let me tell you what heaven's like. This is a direct allusion to uh, Ezekiel's calling. It's a direct allusion to Isaiah chapter six. In Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah has a vision of God in the temple. But it starts out by saying, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord on the throne. Isaiah is trying to say to the people, our king who we've been following is not really the king. I saw the king. And if we follow him, we're gonna be okay. John is saying to the people of the book of Revelation, the seven churches that he writes to, which by the way, next Sunday we start a nine-week series um, that we're the, we'll go through the seven letters uh, to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, and I realize seven and nine, they don't match up. Well, there'll be an intro week and a closing week, okay? Uh, but we'll be doing that this summer through the end of July. We'll be in the book of Revelation. Some of you, that scares you. You're gonna go find another church. That's great. Some of you are gonna go grab your friends. We're in Revelation. It's gonna be unreal, uh, whatever. Um, so we, we'll be moving through that. But this God who is to come, John says, hey, you're going through really tough times right now. You're being persecuted. You feel like giving up. But guess what? I saw what's going on in heaven. And they're already celebrating the future. The one who died for you is the one who lives for you, is the one who's coming for you. So you gotta jump into chapter five for that. Chapter five, we have uh, this great ending to what we saw in chapter four. The elders have done all their stuff and we finished chapter four and then all of a sudden this scroll is brought to the one who sits on the throne and it has seven seals on it. And they say, here, who can, open, who can open the seals? Who can open the scroll? And it says, no one was found who was worthy to open the seals until this lamb comes walking in. Imagine thinking of someone worthy, someone great, someone powerful, someone who can lead us, and in walks a lamb. Not only is it a lamb, but if you read chapter five of Revelation, it's a lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Usually when something's slain, it is lost. But what John is trying to say to us is, hey, remember one of the great parts of worship and things that we used to do a long time ago, and if you think about this, this, imagine if you came to worship today and I said, hey, who sinned, come forward, we're gonna slaughter some goats, 
and um, your sins will be forgiven and you can go on. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? That's what they did. Here's what, here's what John is saying. The lamb comes walking in and the lamb, the conquering lamb that was slain is found to be the only one worthy to open the scroll. See, because he wasn't trying to get there by winning the way we think of winning. His kingdom, his ecclesia, his called out ones win when they pour themselves out and let God do what he wants to do in and through them. So you received communion when you walked in. I'm gonna ask you to take it out. If you're watching online, take whatever it is that you've brought together there. Here in our worship center, we've got some common ordinary elements. It's a small piece of bread and it's a little bit of grape juice. Now we will say things like, this is my body broken for you and this is my blood. Um, So don't think that we're cannibals. I know we've talked about a lot of crazy things in worship and all sorts of things. But we do this because our Lord Jesus, on the night before he was gonna be killed, he does some crazy things with his disciples. He gets down and washes their feet and says, if you wanna be great, be a servant. If I have done this for you, I, your Lord and master, you ought to do this for one another. He walks them through Israel's past. He walks through the Passover meal and all of the great things that God had done for them and says to them, it's gonna happen again. Except this time, instead of lambs and blood on doorposts, I'm gonna be slain. And then later he says to them, I'm not gonna eat of this meal again until I eat and drink from this cup anew with you in my Father's kingdom. You see what's going on? What happens in worship every week is we remember the great things God has done. We ask him and we seek what he's wanting to do in and through us now in the hope and anticipation that he is coming again. And we remind ourselves every week, it's a sort of memento, if you will, a memorial where we remember these things. So we're gonna receive communion in just a moment, but there may be someone in here today who's not received Christ as their savior. You've not thought about gathering around the throne and singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. You've not allowed that to become personal in your life. You don't, you've not realized that Christ died for your sins. That lamb that was slain was slain for you so that you could accept his life, so that you could live in him and we could continue to live as his people. Not only now, but for eternity. In our denomination, we have what's called open communion. It means you don't have to be a member of this local church. Uh, you just have to have received Jesus Christ as your, as your Lord, as your Savior, invited him to forgive you of your sins and, and be living and walking with him. Many of us are on different, different parts of that path and different parts of that journey. You don't have to have it perfect. We have to acknowledge, God, I'm taking that step today to walk with you. So I'm gonna pray, and if you'd like to pray, uh, one of the things we're gonna, we're gonna go back through is Pastor David read in Romans, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's made that promise, and if you've not prayed that, we'll have a moment now to be able to do that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your love for us. Father, I thank you for the ways down through the millennia (laughs) and before, before anything existed but you, and your heart was love for us. 
In your sovereignty, you created us. In your grace, you hold us together. God, we pray that you would help us to allow you to continue the good work that you have started in us. So Father, even now I pray that you'd be with my brother or sister who's sitting here, who has not accepted you as their Lord and Savior. And if you're sitting here today and you're in that boat, you can just echo in your heart, repeat after me as I pray that, Father, please forgive me. Forgive me for where I've fallen short, for I've, where I've not let you live in and through me. Father, I pray that you would help me to accept the gift of your son, his life, his death, his resurrection. Lord, live that through me. Not only so I can have a living hope, but so that, Lord, as I share that with my friends and those I come in contact, that they can know that they have a hope and a future as well. All these things we ask and we pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'll take out the elements real quick. You have here a piece of bread. But on the night when our Lord was betrayed, he took that bread and said to his disciples, this is my body, which is for you. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And likewise, after the meal, he took the cup and after giving thanks, he blessed it and said, this is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you for the sins of the world. Take this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And then one of my favorite things in a couple of the gospels, he looks at his disciples and says, I won't drink from this cup again until I drink it anew and afresh with you in my Father's kingdom. What he has done is alive and present now and will be in the ages to come. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.